Hello, everyone. This is Neil Desai speaking to you from Tampa, Florida. Um, I am the Director of Cornea and Refractive Surgery and Cataract Surgery at the Eye Institute of West Florida. And I am uh, happy to be here uh, on behalf of Biotissue to share my experiences using amniograft, cryopreserved amniotic membrane, for my tritium surgery technique uh, called the tissue tuck technique that I've been using since approximately 2008 in various forms. So I wanted to give you the background of my practice and really share with you um, why it is I even do tritium surgery in the first place, because uh, tritium surgery, frankly, was one of my least favorite surgeries to do. Um, it was oftentimes a uh, rather long, difficult surgery to get a very nice, clean autograft for me. Uh, even as a, uh, a, a good surgeon and typically a, a quick surgeon, it was taking me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes to dissect a nice, clean, uh, tenons-free autograft for these pterygium case cases. And of course, my patient suffered inherently from having two primary wounds, uh, one from the excision site and one for, for the, um, the donor site or the conjunctival donor site. And patients would often complain uh, for prolonged periods of time of, of poor cosmesis, discomfort, um, and my complication rate was, to me, unacceptably high. I'd have a lot of patients that had recurrences or fibrovascular regrowth, um, patients would complain of diplopia or restrictive diplopia, um, and this was taking up a lot of chair time and practice opportunity for me, and I realized there just had to be a better way. And I was very glad to finally be introduced to cryopreserved amniotic membrane, which preserves um, all of the cellular architecture of, of the membrane. Um, it's, it's resilient, it's, um, it's tough tissue, it can, it's very workable interoperatively. Um, and so I realized that this was going to be very amenable to a tritium surgery technique because I can really manipulate it like a conjunctival autograft, um, but one that comes straight out of a, a pre-prepared bag. And this would cut out all of the time and trouble of dissecting a conjunctival autograft and eliminate uh, the inherent downside of borrowing conjunctiva and having two wounds. So my patients um, started experiencing much faster recovery. Um, I think in, in part thanks to the retention of key biological factors uh, within the cryopreserved membrane, namely the HCHA heavy chain hyaluronic acid complexes, and the PTX3 or Pentaxin 3 that are preserved within that membrane. And these two key biological factors are really the, the magic sauce, if you will, um, that is denatured out of dehydrated membranes uh, at large. Um, but these two key factors are responsible for the anti-scarring, anti-inflammatory, uh, pro-healing uh, benefits of amniotic membrane uh, that's been cryopreserved. And so I, I like to think of the membrane as but a delivery vehicle for those key biologics that's going to support healing, prevent scarring, prevent angiogenesis or neovascularization. And there's also now uh, ample evidence in peer-reviewed uh, journals 
for example, Thomas John's study uh, that showed that these key biologics can actually promote corneal uh, nerve regeneration and uh, increase other features, um, as has been shown in other studies, like goblet cell concentration or epithelial cell density in the conjunctiva. So a lot of key benefits that we're getting out of the presence of these biologics that are preserved within this, this platform technology. And um, over time, I realized that this was going to be very uh, fitting and amenable to intraoperative use for not only pterygium surgery, but all forms of ocular surface surgery, whether it be for mechanical dry eye or conjunctival cholesis, or managing patients with symblepharon, uh, patients with recurrent pterygia, patients with ocular surface neoplasias. No matter uh, the, the particular indication, uh, this platform technology I saw as having a role any time I wanted a patient to heal faster or better, which is essentially every single patient that we operate on. We always want them to heal faster and better and prevent complications like scarring. Now, the reason that pterygium surgery has always been historically my least favorite surgery and, and perhaps all surgeons' least favorite surgery have largely to do with all the complications and, and pitfalls that come from performing this procedure, namely recurrence and, and complications like restrictive diplopia or granulomas and scar tissue, uh, poor cosmesis, the operating time or the opportunity costs that we uh, give up in performing this procedure, uh, having to manage patients' uh, post-operative pain, and then on top of all of that, uh, the reimbursement historically for this procedure has not been very good. And so the question then that that all begs is, well, why do pterygium surgery at all? The reason I do pterygium surgery is because I don't want to ever say no to a referral from a community uh, referring uh, source. In other words, uh, if a patient is being referred um, for cataract surgery from a particular refer or refractive surgery, I don't want to force them to think about what to refer me and what to not refer me. I just want them to have a knee-jerk reaction of saying, just let's send it to Dr. Desai, and he's going to send back a happy uh, successful patient. So we need to reflect on the goals of a successful pterygium surgery. How do we define success? Um, certainly, we have to extend the definition of success beyond simply removal of the pterygium. We need to achieve a very low or no recurrence rate if possible. We certainly want to avoid surgical complications um, not only on behalf of patients, but on off behalf of our practices. So we're not giving up a lot of chair time or opportunity costs, particularly in this post-COVID era. We want to make sure that we're respecting our most precious asset, which is our time, in particular, our surgical time. So this procedure that reimburses very, very little and is prone to all sorts of complications if not done well, we certainly don't want to be eating up a lot of our valuable operating time. The procedure should ideally be easy and reproducible in any hands. And of course, we want to uh, produce excellent results with fast cosmetic uh, and, and good cosmetic results with as little to no discomfort as possible. Um, 
And we've realized that now using this platform technology and some modifications to the technique, we can achieve um, all of these endpoints quite, quite handedly. I think it would be helpful just to place uh, the tissue tuck technique into context to just briefly review some of the historical context of other techniques that have been described and, and look at some of the uh, definite advantages of those techniques, but some of the disadvantages. There's two techniques that I, I, I want to really focus on. Um, one has been the sort of historic standard of care, and that's conjunctival autograft. As I mentioned earlier, conjunctival autograft um, suffers from really two main problems. Um, one is that it's by definition creating two separate wounds that is more pro-inflammatory and more traumatic. Um, and this is going to perhaps take a lot longer to heal than the technique I will be describing today. And, and second, um, in skilled hands, this can produce ultimately good results but the lowest reported uh, recurrence rate with conjunctival autograft in the peer-reviewed literature is approximately 6% uh, over time. And so I think we can do better than that and achieve better cosmesis much faster and a, a more efficient procedure for ourselves with other techniques. The second procedure is the perfect technique um, that was described by a surgeon in Australia. Um, and the perfect technique, I think, has reported as little as a 1% uh, recurrence rate. But by the surgeon's own admission, this procedure takes more than an hour to do uh, conservatively and requires a, a very extensive uh, dissection and, and extensive surgery. With the tissue tuck technique, I think I've tried to combine some of the advantages and avoid some of the disadvantages of these historic techniques uh, that are certainly groundbreaking and, and uh, wonderful contributions to our industry. A admittedly, I don't think I've discovered anything that's particularly novel with the tissue tuck technique. Uh, what I've done is combined the best features of all of the available techniques into one procedure that can be very efficiently done and is very reproducible. To understand the, the details uh, and the rationale behind the tissue tech technique, I think it's important to briefly review uh, the pertinent anatomy and uh, the sources uh, of recurrences when it comes to pterygium surgery. We know that pterygia uh, and pterygia growth is uh, an inflammatory driven process. And so our surgical technique really must limit surgical trauma and inflammation. And so it's quite handy that our platform technology is going to allow us to reduce uh, inflammation from the point of service at the time of surgery uh, without it getting out of hand uh, or without uh, needing post-operative management uh, that's, that's intensive. And so um, we're able to limit the amount of inflammation using this platform technology. If we're going to get a recurrence, the most common reason for a recurrence is really failure to seal the gap. And we must understand that pterygia, the root of the pterygia, they originate in the gap between conjunctiva and tenon's fascia. 
And it's this gap that I'm going to be referring to uh, several times um, that we must seal. If we fail to seal this gap, the root of the pterygium will be uh, enabled to extend again and uh, revascularize and fibrose uh, over the rectus muscle insertion, uh, potentially causing uh, restrictive diplopia or uh, at worst, uh, a, a recurrent pterygium. So we must find some way to seal this gap effectively to prevent recurrence. A few years ago, I had a, an epiphany when it came to the, the technique um, that had to do with the anatomy uh, towards the semilunar fold and the functional uh, anatomy in particular. The natural semilunar fold, or plica semilunaris, um, has some very functional uh, purpose and evolutionary purpose that allows that gap to be sealed and allows yet uh, some give or redundancy of the conjunctiva to allow unrestricted abduction and adduction of the eye. And so in the process of sealing that gap, I realized that we really must not only seal the gap, but also reconstruct the semilunar fold. And so hence, one of the key primary principles of the tissue technique is that we must not only just focus on removing the pterygium, but we must also seal that gap from which the pterygium originates and from which a recurrence would originate. But in so doing, we must reconstruct the functional anatomy of the semilunar fold to avoid other complications of pterygium surgery. So the Tick-Chew-Tuck technique that has evolved uh, and changed over the last 10 years um, in its present form is now a, a very quick reproducible procedure. Um, We're in uh, pre-publication for a study um, of my patients from January 2012 to May of 2019 and this is a study of 746 eyes of 590 patients uh, over that time on which I performed pterygium surgery. Some of these, uh, the vast majority, were primary pterygia, um, but some of these were referred uh, patients that had recurrent pterygia. And we're reporting an average surgical time of 14 minutes, uh, plus or minus uh, five minutes and a recurrence rate of uh, approximately 2% um, in 746 cases. On average, uh, patients were receiving um, uh, an excellent cosmetic outcome in as little as two weeks uh, postoperatively, and most patients reported little to no discomfort. It bears being said that only 45% of cases received mitomycin C during the case, um, and uh, this was used judiciously. We're able to achieve these results largely because of the benefits of the platform technology and I think the surgical technique that tries to restore the functional anatomy of the semilunar fold. I wanna share with you uh, an interesting case that uh, was referred to my clinic um, by some colleagues on the other coast of Florida. Um, there was a particular patient that had had pterygium surgery approximately two years ago um, out of state and uh, presented with a very significant uh, degree of diplopia, restrictive diplopia following their initial pterygium surgery. 
um, and had extensive uh, scarring and symblepharon, both uh, medially and inferiorly um, following surgery. Um, this patient happened to have been a uh, operating room uh, uh, anesthesia nurse, uh, a CRNA, and um, was referred to me for consultation um, uh, very recently. Immediately upon examining this patient, I realized that um, this patient was quite prone to uh, scar formation. And the technique that was used in the form of a conjunctival autograft um, was really just not uh, adequate to prevent these kinds of complications. Nevertheless, we were able to use the tissue tuck technique to uh, not only excise the recurrent pterygium, but dissect free uh, the muscle sheath and free it of all of the fibrotic scar around the muscle um, and uh, get down to a nice clean bare sclera. In this particular case, um, I assumed because of the restrictive diplopia that the muscle sheath had been violated um, with the primary procedure. And so in this particular case, I actually used a double layer of amniotic membrane uh, or amniograft, one small piece to cover the anterior insertion of the muscle belly to recreate the muscle sheath, and then the large overlying area that covered the entire scleral bed and tucked into the conjunctiva uh, to recreate the semilunar fold. Remarkably, this patient uh, described her postoperative course as pain-free, which was in stark contrast to her original procedure. I think this is in, uh, thanks to the platform technology that also seems to help mitigate uh, the pain pathway. Despite the extensive surgery and, and manipulation of the muscle, uh, the platform technology was able to prevent another recurrence uh, and scar tissue, and the patient had a near immediate uh, resolution of her diplopia in primary gaze and only had a very minimal amount of diplopia upon extreme lateral gaze. So we posed the question earlier of why do pterygium surgery at all? Um, the real truth is, as I mentioned, I never want to say no to a referral. I don't want my referring sources to have to think about who to refer which patient to. I just want them to send all the patients to me. Um, that is sort of my competitive advantage in our market that I rather enjoy. But it does uh, mean that we have to think carefully about some of the uh, efficiencies and economics of pterygium surgery techniques. And the way I like to think of this in terms of lowest common denominator is in terms of what is the opportunity cost of uh, doing refractive cataract surgery cases that certainly reimburse uh, far better uh, and are frankly more enjoyable for me to do uh, versus a pterygium surgery. Well, if I was gonna do the traditional conjunctival autograft and spend 30 to 40 minutes doing this, uh, I could have done at least five or six uh, refractive cataract surgeries in that same amount of time, and that means that I've given up a significant economic opportunity cost. If I'm achieving the best reported recurrence rate in the literature of 6% uh, or thereabouts, um, I still have to spend a lot of chair time postoperatively managing a patient that has two wounds and has more pain and has a longer healing time and is perhaps unhappy with the cosmetic uh, result for at least three to four months. 
this can't be a, a very good thing for my practice uh, PR uh, as this patient is a walking advertisement for, for my practice during those few months. Furthermore, I've sacrificed normal conjunctiva by doing a conjunctival autograph, so should this patient ever need glaucoma filtering surgery, uh, that could certainly pose more challenges. And in this particular case, I really haven't uh, produced a very good patient experience. And so we really need to uh, evaluate the economic cost-benefit ratio of the patient's experience when performing that particular uh, traditional technique. With the tissue tuck technique, however, it's a 12 to 15-minute surgery. As I said, we're getting ready to publish uh, our manuscript on over 740 cases where in the average operating time, even in recurrent trisia, was about 14 minutes. Um, and this certainly resolves uh, the, a lot of issues in terms of complications and recurrences, as I saw a less than 2% recurrence uh, rate. It means less chair time spent and more opportunity to use that time to see new cataract patients, refractive patients, or any other patients you, you want to see in your practice. We've created one single wound with minimal discomfort. We've created a uh, platform technology and utilized a platform technology that essentially handles intraoperatively like an autograph in the bag, ready to go. Another important aspect to this, if we want to think more broadly about practice development, is to think of this in terms of uh, sort of business metrics. Uh, oftentimes, businesses look at same-store sales um, what other services did a pterygium patient avail themselves of after their pterygium surgery? You can imagine that after an autograft surgery, if the patient was uncomfortable, in pain, they had a long recovery time and perhaps a, a less than ideal cosmetic result, they may not utilize or be motivated to utilize other services uh, of your practice. Whereas a happy tissue tuck uh, pterygium surgery technique patient um, may certainly be motivated to uh, take us up on other services that the practice may offer. We actually looked at this in 2015, and I took all the Tresium patients that had operated in that year and looked at what other services did they avail themselves of within our practice. Did they go on to buy glasses in the optical shop? Did they uh, get back to comfortable contact lens wear that our optometrists were able to fit for them? Did they have refractive surgery to get out of classes and contacts now? Uh, did they go on to have refractive lens exchange or clear lens exchange or cataract surgery later on with better outcomes? Um, we looked at all of that, and it turns out that it produced, those Tresium patients produced $580,000 of same-store sales or other top-line revenues that uh, certainly we not, would not have achieved had we not produced excellent outcomes and more importantly, a really good, smooth patient uh, experience. So with that, um, I'll conclude and, and hopefully entice you to learn more about the tissue tuck technique and all of its benefits and efficiencies so that you too may enjoy uh, the benefits of this procedure and the efficiencies of this procedure, and more so your patients can benefit uh, from the better outcomes and smoother recovery. I thank you all for listening in to this podcast uh, sponsored by Biotissue. Please contact your local uh, tissue tech or Biotissue uh, representative uh, for further information. I wish you all the best and good luck.